0: Here we go. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Young Persons Radio right here on Radio Free Brooklyn this and every Sunday. I am your host, Colby Smith. I want to welcome everybody who just listened to Fifth and Long, the brand new sports talk show that precedes us here on Talk Show Sunday here on Radio Free Brooklyn. We're going to keep the party going at 11 o'clock with Two Thumbs Undecided, the movie review show. That's at 11 a.m., and then that is followed at 12 noon by... The Brooklyn Conversation with Rosie. And then at 1 p.m., objection to the rule, Radio Free Brooklyn's answer to the Sunday morning political talk show circuit. Every possible base is covered here on Radio Free Brooklyn, but for now, it's young person's radio time. And I want to remind everybody that you can listen to this show and every other show on our station, on the go, by downloading the Radio Free Brooklyn app, which is available wherever you get your apps. That's the Apple store the google play store anywhere you can get apps this app the radio free brooklyn app can be downloaded so we want to welcome everybody listening live through that app or through radiofreebrooklyn.com which is the best way to find out what's going on at the station with this show and other shows listen to our archives etc our number 718-928-9732 that's 718 718-928- 928 9732 if you want to call in at any point during the program, and I certainly suggest you do so. Now, my guest today is a writer whose work has appeared in The New Yorker, The New Republic, The London Review of Books, The New York Times, Book Forum, The Baffler, and so many more. She's also the co-author of Who Thought This Was a Good Idea, the New York Times best-selling memoir by Alyssa Mastromonaco, the former deputy chief of staff for President Barack Obama... And we are so thrilled that she is in the studio with us this morning. Lauren Euler is here. Hi. It's working now. (laughs) It's working. Great. Just to give everybody a little bit of background, uh, we had a little bit of technical difficulty here at the beginning of the show. Some things weren't playing. Some things were playing that I didn't know were playing. But now...
1: Oh, I didn't know about that.
0: Yeah, I kept that a secret. okay. I kept my professional cool. But now... Everything is correct. Lauren, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: I'm very glad you're here uh, early on a Sunday morning. Are you an early riser typically?
1: Uh, I used to be and now I just get up whenever, but but like I get up, I wake up and then I look at my phone for untold minutes, mm-hmm. an hour, an hour yep. or something um, and then I get out of bed. So no, I guess it <laughs> doesn't count. But I said the other day, you know, sometimes I get up at seven and this person was like, oh, and you say so you're an early riser. So I don't. What's normal anymore? Yeah, I my true. apartment is like a cave, so it's <laughs> very dark. Um, so I never know what time it is anyway. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. I like a nice seven o'clock morning. Mm-hmm. It feels so productive.
1: I feel like if I could get up at 630, that would be great. Oh, yeah. But
0: I can't do it. It's a bridge too far. Mm-hmm. 630. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like it. I, I feel like it's, so the morning is such a divisive topic, Lauren. Really? Yeah. I feel like some there are some people I know who are like, I can only work first thing in the morning. When it's quiet with my coffee.
1: Well, I certainly am better at that, but more it's not about it being quiet. It's that people aren't on Twitter. So I'm not (laughs) compelled to look at Twitter all the time. Um, So it's not really, I mean, it's quiet, I guess, too, but Mm. it's quiet more like existentially as well. Right. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It's peaceful. (laughs) Well, now let's jump right into it. Oh, no. (laughs) You, yeah, yeah. Go off. (laughs) Uh, You, you've written Essays, profiled celebrities, co-authored memoirs, but is it fair to say you're primarily a book critic?
1: Uh, yeah, I guess I that that sounds right. Um, I did write a novel. This is okay. This is privileged information. Here we uh, go. That's gonna it's it will come out. So so I would ideally like to be like a writer generally. Yeah, yeah, maybe. yeah. Um, certainly. I find the most torment in writing criticism, so maybe, maybe you could call me a book critic because of that. I don't know if that makes me more of a book critic or less, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess so. I guess primarily publicly I'm a critic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And now you're opening yourself up to the criticism. It's
1: only fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. Put your head on the chopping block. Well,
1: there is this sort of, you know, James Wood, the book critic for The New Yorker, mm-hmm. writes novels. Um, and and every time he writes one, it's always the sort of the, the first paragraph or two is always like, well, James Wood, you know, he wrote this essay, S- Hysterical Realism in 2000 about Zadie Smith. It was very negative. So can we, you know, be as negative about James Wood? <laughs> um not to compare myself to James Wood, but there is this like weird ambient pressure that, you know, can you dish it out, but can you take it? Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. I guess we'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> When's that coming out?
1: Oh, long time. Okay.
0: Long okay. time. Yeah. Yeah. We'll come back on and promote it. Well, that part of your book tour.
1: If the world doesn't end before then, then that's
0: yeah. true. Yeah. 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 That's the, the, the caveat at the end of every sentence we'll yeah. say this morning. Yeah. But you, uh, uh, do you feel like you, with book criticism, you kind of found your lane as far as uh, freelance writing
1: goes? Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody, I don't know anybody that makes their living from doing it. But it is is a really good way to think about issues like Mm. in an an in-depth way and sort of like bounce ideas off of something that already exists. I would maybe prefer to be able to just be a genius, like spontaneously with no no input, but, but, um, I'm not. So, so I do like to have the opportunity to look at some, someone has thought Mm. a lot about their book ostensibly they have, um, (laughs) they should, (laughs) they should. Uh, and so I think it's definitely for me, the only way that I feel like I have really read something is mm-hmm. if I write about it. Sure. Um, but also that's where the torment comes in. Cause yeah. I'm reading really closely and, I, and I'm pretty much always reading the books two times unless uh, mm. I did this one live blog that was 750 pages and it was all in a blog. So I did not read that two times. Sorry to Megan Boyle, but um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, especially if I'm doing a negative review, I re- read it two times, Yeah, which yeah. is, is sort of, counterintuitive because you don't want to read it again, but you know, right. (laughs) You have to do your due diligence. right?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I feel like those are the ones that are the most fun to read where it's like, it's a, the review is about the book, but it's also kind of using the book as a springboard to talk about these other issues.
1: Yeah. And I mean, that is what book criticism is good for, I think. And why I like doing it so much and why so many people like reading it. And I think it's important to sort of make it so that even if the reader is never going to, Pick up the book mm-hmm. that they'll still get something out of the piece, yeah, um but yeah it's 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 good, also, I think uh well <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> I don't know, certainly the time it's it takes so much longer to read a book than it does to like listen to an album or watch yeah. a movie and yeah. review it, um but it also is like there seems like there's not, no offense to music which i i don't like music so so some <laughs> offense to music but but, but i feel like that books are more interesting anyway um so,
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, they definitely lead to, like, more rewarding <laughs> essays to read. I've definitely like, I don't know about you, but I definitely, like, went through a stretch where I was, like, really trying to get into, like, like, serious music writing, like Grail Marcus and uh, uh, Ellen, I forget her oh, name. Oh, Ellen Willis. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I, like, I just couldn't do it.
1: Ellen Willis is great, but I don't really, I mean, she's mostly a music critic, and yeah. I really only read her feminist <laughs> criticism. Right. Um. So, yeah, no, I feel like also music criticism, this is, like, a a controversial statement, but it's such a boy thing that, um, <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I,
0: no, I think that's completely right.
1: <laughs> yeah. I used to work at, at a feminist website and I was among like-minded colleagues and we were all like music or whatever, you know, <laughs> boy stuff. Um, and this was, we, we had to sort of keep our voices down because, yeah. Of, co- of course there are women doing great music criticism. Of course, yeah. Of
0: course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you see that there was that documentary HBO did about Rolling Stone and Jan Wenner uh, last year? No,
1: but the, his the, his book, it was his book or was it a biography of it him? It was a biography yeah. of him. Yeah, and was it like at the same time? As the... It
0: was at the same time and the, the rap at the time was that the documentary was much more the story he wanted to be out there about himself oh, rather I than see. the one that the biography captured.
1: No, uh, I didn't because Rolling Stones like two music. <laughs> well, that's what I
0: mean. Is like it, they so much of the documentary is uh, uh, Jeff Daniels is the narrator. Oh wow! And he like reads some of like the classic pieces from like the late '60s, early '70s when it was like in his heyday. Mm-hmm. And it just felt so like it it felt like so ancient. Like people taking uh, um, rock music that seriously. Like it feels so over now.
1: Right. Well, I mean, there's. The whole, I don't, is there any rock music now? I don't, I don't know. Vampire Weekend, hello. Is that that rock music? I don't
0: know. It's the closest thing we've
1: got. I know. I'm like, you can just talk to me about rock music this whole hour. I'll just listen. I'll ask you more questions. Like, what is rock music? (laughs) No, no,
0: no. Who's
1: who's a popular band?
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, it's uh, starts and stops at Vampire Weekend, I
1: think. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I haven't listened to that album. I saw people talking about it. Yeah, it's it's
0: pretty fun. Um, yeah.
1: yeah. How do you pronounce his last name? This was a discussion on Twitter. Who? Ezra Koenig.
0: Yeah, I think it's Koenig, right?
1: Well, I think it depends on if you're pronouncing it the German way or. Ah, I see. I see. I don't know. I don't because know. People either. were like, it's Koenig. And I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> this is the extent of the, par- the conversation. I that thought, I I
0: thought it was Sarah Koenig, Ezra Koenig.
1: Oh, that's probably right.
0: But it's spelled the same. Mm-hmm. I don't know.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, Anyway.
0: (laughs) (laughs) we're talking about book criticism. Uh, If you don't mind... I would love to read back to you something you wrote. Okay. You, you widened your eyes like this is going to be painful. I hope it's, it's not.
1: Well, I was thinking when we were talking before the show that I should have reread some of the pieces that you said you wanted to discuss, but it's too painful for me or too like <laughs> dreadful, okay. so I just didn't read them. So it will be helpful if you read it. Okay, so this is
0: from uh, The Screwer and The Screwed. Okay, so this the, is a
1: positive review. Well,
0: it's a positive review of Helen oh, yeah. DeWitt, but it starts with... <laughs> Something much more negative, which is, as I quote, literary fiction published in English today is a philosophically incoherent exercise in ascending to greater and greater levels of competence, fearful of style, dismissive of idiosyncrasy. It eschews explorations of ideas or arguments or form in favor of joylessly sellable plots and premises inspired by uh, by a stable of influences so obvious they aren't worth mentioning. I love it.
1: Thank you. <laughs> that that I that was my favorite paragraph I wrote. Oh yeah. Whatever well, year that was it, last year.
0: It sticks out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you skip my favorite sentence, which is the last sentence. Well,
0: <laughs> oh, I'll get to it. Is it <laughs> okay? The situation may be okay, but it's certainly not good.
1: No, it's isn't the what the one about what is the sentence? It's about. Often you open a book. Oh,
0: that's just next. Well, okay. Let me let me that's do it. That's my me. favorite sentence. Often you open a book that has been greeted by more or less unanimous praise to find that there are barely any words in it.
1: That's my that that's my main. Sorry to make you to be like oh, I can quote myself, um, because I can't. But I remember coming up with that sentence very late at night and G-chatting it to like anybody who was awake because I was like, ha 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 ha, so funny. <laughs> um, it's <laughs> the little things. Um, yeah, I think that I still I still believe that yeah for sure for oh sure. yeah yeah um and the reason i like Helen DeWitt's work so much is that she does not seem to have like a lot of it she has like an idea about what she wants a novel to her novel to look like but she does not have an idea about like what a novel mm-hmm. is sort of like mfa inflected not to bring up this conversation too much but <laughs> this this you read these novels and it's like this novel is going to have characters and they are going to have backstories and then we're going to do this narrative and we're going to develop the characters in this certain way and like Every word feels so, like, precious, but also so, like, like figured out in advance, Mm -hmm. and there's no, like, life force in it anymore, and it is very depressing.
0: Would you say it's too polished?
1: It's not, but it's so, it's polished, but it's, like, with something dirt. Like, you polish it, but there's, like, there's, like, a... I don't know, like peanut butter on the rag that you just polish it. I don't it's like it's so weird and it's not like writing books. I mean, some people do get huge book deals, so I don't know. But mm-hmm. it's not like writing books. It's like something that is particularly lucrative. So I don't understand right. why what what people are sort of writing towards mm-hmm. when the books end up this way.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But then there are huge book deals and it seems like kind of arbitrary as to who gets them. So it's interesting to me True. from that yeah. perspective.
0: I mean, should we talk about the, the Kristen Rupinian uh, book?
1: Oh no. I mean, <laughs> sure. Well, I do think that that's sort of unfair. And I thought that Emily Gold, who wrote a review for it in the Washington post was really right when she said, this is the short story collection that came out of an MFA program. It was probably her, you know, Kristen Rupinian uh, for listeners who don't know, wrote this viral short story, cat person, which was published in the New Yorker. Mm-hmm. Um and very quickly afterward, got a million dollar book deal or something, uh, to that effect, mm-hmm. uh, and optioned maybe some of the stories or the collection for a series on HBO, uh, which meant then, of course, I would assume that she had to write finish her short story collection very quickly, and then it came out like a year after that story came out, so it was a presumably rushed, mm-hmm. um, and it was just like, it seemed like an MFA short story collection and it was, you know, there are lots of people who would have similar short story collections and like most of them probably shouldn't be published their thesis projects. Sure. And that's about it. But this one got a million dollars. And so then it subsequently makes all reviewers feel, um, warranted in just ripping her her new one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, which does sort of suck. Um, but at the same time, one thinks like if you have a million dollars, you should be able to sit there and do the work that you want to, you know, it's right. an opportunity to do the work that you want to do without having other distractions or whatever.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Were so. there things you liked in the in that collection? Um, I feel like you, you in your review talked about Biter. Was that the one? Oh, that yeah. That, that was, was quite a very yeah.
1: clever sort of idea. Biter is the last story in the collection. And it is about a sort of like. A woman who has a fixation on bite, she's a, a, a biter and she, when she's young, she's determined to bite her in this sort of like ad, like childish way and her parents mm-hmm. are like, stop doing that. And so she represses the biting instinct, but she always wants to. And then she goes and works in an office and she desperately wants to bite someone in the office. And then this mm-hmm. sort of like angelic, obnoxious HR person maybe comes in comes in, gets a job there and he seems very biteable and she just sort of <laughs> fixates on wanting to bite him and sort of comes up with like elaborate schemes to keep herself from doing so. So she'll like reward herself if she, she she'll track whenever she sees him. And then if she doesn't bite him when she sees him, then she gets a point. I think, um, it's been a while since I read this. Yeah, uh, that but, sounds awesome, this yeah, story. <laughs> yeah, but then there's a really good twist at the end. That's quite smart and it, it's not ideological. Like it's a, it, it becomes a feminist story, but it's not sort of saying like, this is the argument that the story is making. This story has a thesis. It's this very sort of like tense push pull Mm -hmm. relationship between the, the feminist themes and the sort of like things that they're pushing against, which is nice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I got to check it out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the good thing about a short story collection is you can read.
0: Just the one. Yeah. 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 I think the last short story collection I read was the George Saunders, the big one, the 10th of December, several years ago. I
1: haven't read it. I only read books by women.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay, cool. (laughs)
1: Uh, Not for any ideological reason, just because I just, I'm like, I want to, I want to love story.
0: (laughs) Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, do you have I mean, getting back to the contemporary fiction thing, do you have like specific pet peeves that you encounter a lot? Oh,
1: my God. So many. I mean, huh. the reason that I was like, well, you got to read my favorite sentence is because I hate this sort of like anything that is praised as, quote unquote, spare. Mm. I find just absolutely ugh contemptible. And and I hate this sort of like I notice it a lot. And I think it comes from mfas but also it's sort of like trickled down into criticism generally Mm -hmm. and it's this like overuse of simile i cannot i cannot it's just so everyone wants to make everyone is really like putting all of their chips on their their lyrical similes that they can come up with and i'm like you know there's like other rhetorical (laughs) strategies you can use um it's i it just i just notice it in everything Mm -hmm. and maybe other people don't notice it. I don't know. I feel like I read books and I'm just like, am I crazy? Am I crazy? Like everyone's saying this is like a genius. we masterwork of like whatever. And I'm like, this is trash. Like, yeah. 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 You know, I don't know. Like it's just bizarre to me. So that <laughs> the thing. And then the short, short, short sections, short paragraphs, which I think are popular because you can read those books so fast. Sure. Um, which makes sense to me. And I guess there's also an argument to may- be made about like, you know, modern life is fragmentary, and like, of course, fragments are not new. But it's it's like tr- it's a difference between like working in a tradition and like pursuing a trend. And mm. I think it's very obvious, but I don't know how I could explain how why it's obvious to me. But it's just as obvious to me, like when it works and when it doesn't. Sure,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you know, it when you see it, yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, you, uh, uh do you feel? I mean, we'll just get we'll just get right into it. Then. Okay. <laughs> Do you feel like like the writing school MFA thing is like it has a has had a negative effect on the novel it's, as a whole? You
1: know, I don't mean to. I, I can't. I realize I've said MFA a couple of times. It, negative. More than disparagingly. <laughs> um, and I think like there are a lot of good writers who have MFA's. And it's sure. a, very, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. a great like like funding mechanism for a young writer. Um basically you go to the MFA and they give you a stipend and it's grad school and you have a bunch of time to read and write. And that's mm. great. Um, but I do think, I mean, there, there was a discussion on some website published something about workshop dynamics being very problematic. Mm. And uh, people on Twitter were discussing like how if workshops were bad or good. And I do think that there's this, it is hard to learn unless you have someone encouraging you to to think for yourself, like it's hard to learn like what criticism to pay attention to and mm-hmm. what criticism to be like, that person's an idiot. They don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. And I don't know. Cause the only time I've been in a workshop wasn't in, in college. So it wasn't an MFA. Right. Um, but I do think that you have to sort of take a lot of things seriously in that environment that actually do not deserve to be taken seriously. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so that creates this weird, like confusion for people that then you might end up going down a weird path with your work that mm-hmm. like actually n- wasn't good for
0: your Sure. Work. Yeah.
1: Um, but of course, like if you are an, ind- a, at all an independent thinker and you can go to workshop and just like take from it what's good and like leave the rest, I totally support that. Yeah. I don't think MFA's are like terrible, no. but I do <laughs> find, I do find like the new books that come out that I like the most are usually not American. Mm. And I think that's because m- other countries, even England, there's, you know, a couple of MFA programs there, but not right. really not it's the, because like, they the don't girth have, that we have. Yeah, here, they yeah. don't have this sort of idea about like, this is how novels are written. Like, here's, you know, here's how you construct a scene. Like, you need to have like the dialogue can only be tagged with said like if you don't you say said, you know, it's just all these sort of like silly pedagogical rules right. that are like. You know, yeah. take it or leave it, right?
0: Yeah, there was some um, some essay by uh, Dave Hickey, the art critic, uh, uh-huh. who said that his problem with it, it uh, on, like, a structural level was that it puts the education of the new generation in the hands of, like, the previous generation so you don't get the, like, kill your idols thing that uh, 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 motivates so many people, I guess.
1: Right, uh- and I think it's, like, the teacher's... I don't know. I have some friends who were at the NYU MFA and it's all Mm -hmm. sort of like Zadie Smith teaches there. You want to get into Zadie's class? But then like, you never hear anything about Zadie's class, but so, because I suppose maybe she, she smartly tells people not to gossip about it and everybody (laughs) respects her. So, so they don't, but, but it it is this sort of like weird teacher worship culture that is sort of reinforced by people being famous writers or not. Right.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A friend of mine was at uh, the NYU, um, MFA program and had Martin Amos as a teacher. I mean,
1: that's cool. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> Very cool. It's also like really cool to have that person, you know, have a teacher who isn't, have Martin Amos as a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I would love that. um But it's just like, do you listen to everything Martin Amos says?
0: I definitely would. <laughs> <laughs> I met him one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was at a book signing when his, his last, I mean, this is a long time ago now, but, uh, uh, it was Lionel Asbo was the novel that was coming okay. out, which like does not matter at all. <laughs> but, but, uh, I like waited in the long line to meet him. And I was like, uh, I was like, Hey Martin, like I just read, uh, the Rachel papers, which was like his first mm-hmm. novel. I, I, was, I was like, yeah. And I loved it a lot. And all he said was, you know, I don't really remember. That was a while ago. <laughs> and then He's like, sign my thing. was on the next person, which is kind of what you would want. with Yeah.
1: Him. I mean, at least he's not like, but did you read the sentence? Can you read that <laughs> sentence that I wrote again? <laughs>
0: No, he didn't ask me to quote a fact. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but that was that was memorable.
1: I'm sure. I'm just trying to think of any famous writers that I've ever met and embarrassed myself in front of. Um I try not to like hang out the readings, yeah. and I sort of am scared to even, even, even not with not famous people that I just know from the internet. I'm like, oh, I can't talk to that person. Uh, I have to go.
0: Uh, yes, that's definitely how I am. I also feel it's it's like an, it's like embarrassing to be there now, mm-hmm. kind of, uh, just because like you have to sit through everybody's questions afterwards, mm-hmm. and that's bad. But we have our first caller on the line. Oh, great, caller, you're on with me and Lauren Euler. Hey. Lauren, hey. hey. Tim. So this this guy, okay. this is Tim Keck. Okay. Okay. He calls every week, except for last week, I guess, <gasps> Tim?
2: I was in Florida with my mom.
0: <laughs> your mom loves the
2: show. Not enough to remind me to call.
0: <laughs> Fine. Well, what's new, Tim? What's on your mind?
2: Um, well, I bought this uh everything but the bagel sesame seasoning blend from Trader Joe's. And okay. I can't figure out what to put it on. Okay. I made some eggs this morning. I tried putting it on the eggs. I gotta tell you, didn't love it. And it seems like a great seasoning. Yeah. Um, but I just I'm I just really need some direction.
1: I just actually yesterday bought everything uh everything bagel seasoned rice crackers from the Whole Foods 365 that uh I was recently introduced to. Um, and it's great, and I had that with brie cheese, so maybe you could just put it on top of the brie cheese as opposed... You could make a little, like, like a little hors d'oeuvre or something and, like, sprinkle it on top. With
2: some brie cheese? Yeah. Okay.
1: Unless you're vegan. Okay,
2: I'll
0: try it. Tim, are you vegan?
2: Um, not yet.
0: Not yet? Okay, okay. No. Okay, you're working no. up to it. I Maybe get we'll it.
2: all be vegan when, like, you know, in, like... 20 years when all like the the cattle are dead. But uh until then I am I'm am still a a carnivore.
0: Okay, cool, <laughs> cool. Very cool. Yeah. Tim also has been angling <laughs> to get a cooking show on this uh oh. network, which is probably why he's calling up with the food stuff right away. Isn't that true, Tim? It's really
2: my dream. <laughs> why won't yeah, they give really you one? I really want to do a a uh, cooking radio show more than anything.
0: Why won't they give you one, Tim?
2: I keep asking uh, my ma- – my you know, I actually work for a guy at the station named Frank the Pug. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And I think he's really been uh, cock-blocking me, so to speak. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, are there other so. cooking – I mean, maybe this is showing my ignorance, but are there a lot of cooking, food, radio shows? So this, this is hard. my
0: question as well, uh, which is how do you make it work uh, just audio?
1: Yeah,
2: I, I think it's an untapped market. It's just <laughs> not something that people – Uh, have even thought of entering that space. Mm -hmm. So I think like just a purely audio cooking show, I think would really, I'd be able to contribute a lot to it.
0: What if, what have you interviewed like uh, uh, local like chefs and, and restaurant managers and stuff?
2: I mean, what excites me about it isn't the people, it's the cooking. Mm, So I would, I mean, I would really love to just get in studio, you know, cook something up, kind of walk people through my process, Mm -hmm. you know, show them how easy cooking is. So that's what that's what excites me. You're good at cooking. It's just how easy it is.
0: Mm-hmm. Have you bought any like kitchen gadgets lately that you're real excited about?
2: Yeah, I have a um, a, a cast iron skillet that I use like all the time now. Nice. It's uh, one of my favorite things. And then like last week, I went to Trader Joe's and I bought this everything but the bagel sesame seasoning quest. <laughs> And for the love of... I cannot figure out what to put it on. I put on eggs this morning, uh, but I'm really just looking for some direction.
1: Why don't you make a bagel?
2: Make a bagel? Yeah. Yeah. How do you make a bagel? (laughs) No, wait. Don't tell me. Okay, you can figure it out. I'll figure it out. (laughs)
1: Oh, okay. We're just. Gonna okay, cool. Stop. <laughs> okay, cool. great. <laughs> I it's I used to work I used to work in a bookstore that serves incredible bagels, and I would hang out with the with the boss baker in the back, watching her make bagels. So I could not explain to you how to make a bagel, but I have definitely watched it happen. Mm. It's it's a pretty like physical meditative process, but I think you could do
2: it. Mm.
0: Thank you, Tim. If you Thank try you. if you try to make a bagel from scratch. I would love to uh, have you call in about it next week.
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> next Sunday at 1030 I will begin making pickles from scratch.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: And what, hijack the show completely. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's been done before, Lauren. <laughs> it
1: has been. Well, I've seen it.
0: <laughs> Tim, any final thoughts? I will,
2: uh, um, I mean, I would love to know uh, if, if you've written any, like, just absolutely, maybe like Like the the highest praise you've given a book, and then just like the most scathing you've ever been about a book. I Uh, think that'd be interesting. The highest. Uh But I can take my answer off the air. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
1: Tim out. Um, Tim out. out. There
0: he goes. (laughs) Give a kick.
1: That's a nice segue, anyway.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: The highest, the best review I've ever given a book is probably that Helen DeWitt. Hmm. Um, I also gave a, I get did a very positive review of this book by Miriam Taves called Women Talking um for the LRB. Uh and some it's right weird to write for the LRB from the States because sometimes mm. the books come out just like at really different times. Yeah. Um but you know, there's no necessarily there's not necessarily a reason for them to come out at very different times. Um but that was a great book. Uh the Helen DeWitt sort of it's it's hard because at a start, when the book is good enough, you're sort of like, well, I don't really need to write about this. I just want to tell people to read it mm-hmm. and then like, you know, there's it's great. Yeah, you know, I don't right. really feel like I I mean I there you definitely do want to talk about the the what's going on and what makes it great, but um it's much easier to sound like a cheese ball <laughs> if you're when you're praising something. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um uh the most negative review I've ever written came out. I guess in January or something. This is by far the most negative review of book of a book I've ever done. Uh, of this book called How to Date Men When You Hate Men. Um, <laughs> which which is a deceptive title because the it it's not a how to book. It's not really about dating and it's also not she doesn't hate men really, so it's just a sort of this this was the beginning of my negative book review. Mm. It just got worse from there.
0: Yeah, yeah. There there are a couple uh if we're talking favorite sentences. Oh no. <laughs> There's some
1: quite long sentences in there. I am pretty given to a long sentence anyway and and when it's when I'm mad it just they just never have to stop.
0: Well, do you feel that way? Do you feel like uh uh is it easier for you to write a negative one in a way where like I I definitely feel for myself like if I'm fired up about a topic it does kind of flow more easily than when I'm
1: Yeah, rhapsodizing. you often get you get a lot of books that are just like who cares? So this is like I don't it's fine you know it's totally fine Yeah, and it's hard to come up with things to say in those cases Um, and then you t- generally have to pull out the themes uh-huh. and then talk about the th- and then riff on the themes and you're sort of like stealing there you're like this is supposed to be about a book and she's talking about cooking or whatever for two paragraphs Um, <laughs> but when it's I don't want to say it's easier because I feel like a lot of as I said torment about taking someone's work and then just like, you know, not trashing it because I'm very careful. I mean, I think it's not, it's not that easy because I try to be very careful and very precise. And and it's, it's, if I'm making a claim, like provide proof for the claim and, and do my due diligence with it. But certainly one has more ideas Mm -hmm. when it's a book that you want to review negatively. Yeah.
0: Well, I feel like it's kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where it's, it's, the book's just kind of the springboard for the ideas at mm-hmm. play. And I think that that review is uh, is a good example of that mm-hmm. because it it becomes more the book. The book is just kind of like a way of talking about the kind of like, uh, should we call it Twitter feminism?
1: Yeah, or like trendy. My editor came up with a good phrase that maybe I think got caught, but he was calling it camp misandry. Oh, yeah. And it's just sort of, sort of like it's been kind of. Popular online for a while, but as since feminism has become more mainstream, really since Trump was elected, mm. it's just this sort of like rampant, like false hatred towards men that is like ultimately self defeating for a straight woman. And then this sort of like just sort of posturing. What when I think what made me so mad about that, that what that makes me so mad about this misandry feminist stuff is that. It does sort of go back to like actual issues that are serious and merit, you know, serious consideration. And when you're just sort of like making memes about like how bad men are, but then also being like another man, like the fifth man this week, like was weird on Tinder or whatever. You're sort of like, well, you know. Are you going to, are you going to do, are you going to keep going on Tinder dates or are you going to stop <laughs> dating men? Or like, what's, you know, yeah. what's the thing?
0: What's the next step? Right. What's the yeah. next step?
1: But also I hang out with mostly good men, so I don't really hate them. Mm. And I'm sure like, also the, th- the thing about it is like, I think a lot of people don't a lot of writers don't stop to think about, is this a human problem or is this a a woman related, a gender related problem? There are definitely like lots of gender related problems, but a lot of the things that they're talking about in this conversation, which is about dating and like inter are just interpersonal relationship problems, which Mm. are not necessarily gendered. And I think that uh, queer people would say a lot of the same things about dating Mm. because it's just an awful pursuit most of the time. (laughs) Yeah,
0: <laughs> I co signed this. Uh, <laughs> this is the statement. This is not the most controversial. Play. Right, right. <laughs> um, one final question about uh, uh, um, book criticism before we move on to some of our uh, uh, recurring segments okay. here. Um, I recently came, I want to say I can't remember the name of the, uh, the author that uh, this was attributed to now. But there was I came across some dictum recently that the novel should bring the news. Have you heard this? No, what is it? I want to say it was talking about Jonathan Franz and. Uh, and uh, uh, his purity and him trying to write uh, like a social, like a Tom Wolfe style, mm-hmm. like social novel. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, there's something about this descriptor that both rang true and just felt completely ridiculous to me.
1: But what does bring the news mean? <laughs> I'm, basically, I'm I, about bring. <laughs> it's
0: like the novel as cultural reportage. Okay. Uh, basically. Okay. So,
1: um, so it should be sort of like reflecting realistic social political themes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um I mean I think inevitably any novel that a human any piece of writing that a human produces is going to do that in some way or another uh it is I mean it is weird to write a novel right now because you feel sort of like it's going to be stale and the news is mm. moving too fast yeah. um and you're like well I want to write about social media but it's like and then the characters logged on to facebook.com and <laughs> Poked there, you know what I mean. Like it's like all this weird terminology that, yeah. that becomes dated as soon as you you put it on the page. Yeah, um, but but then I think there's there're some writers like Ben Lerner is someone if if his ten o four is sort of a, a lot about occupy and that doesn't feel dated really. Mm. It's just like set in a time period, and really all novels are set in in a time period, right? So I think the I mean the the best way to sort of bring the news, I guess if that's the phrase uh, is to like, not think too much mm. about it, but if you're sort of like doing setting and you're, you know, you're like, put if you're putting the novel in a place in time, then like the news will be there and right. the context is there. Um, and I, and I think if you're sort of like reverse engineering, like learning about, you know, like an English degree, I have an English degree uh, when you read middle March or something like that's, a social novel but mm-hmm. and, and you're learning about the time period and the setting like through the novel but it's not like she's explaining you know she's not she's not being didactic which i right. think is something that a lot of people get confused about
0: mm-hmm. that's interesting
1: <laughs> i don't know <laughs> 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 sort of whatever
0: do you like eve babbitt's
1: uh i actually haven't read any
0: okay yeah i'm just i'm reading her for the first time do now, you so like I... it so far, yeah,
1: I have all of them. Okay, I'm just sort of you know when there's something that's like everybody likes it so much, and you're like, I'm abstaining from this until every, it's done, the moment is passed for sure. Yeah. Okay, yeah, but it's it's good.
0: Slow days, fast company is what okay. I'm reading right now. I've seen uh,
1: I've seen paragraphs picture pictures of paragraphs. Yeah, of <laughs>
0: yeah, you know what? It's fun,
1: right? That's it's good. a
0: very fun book. Yeah, uh, and she's like she's got such a good sense of humor uh, too, and it's just like. You can feel her her, her vivaciousness uh, on the page.
1: Yeah, I think it's good to to read someone who doesn't take things seriously because then the books actually are more serious in the end. Yeah. Right. For
0: sure. Yeah. That's yeah, that's my uh, my wreck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. But now, Lauren Euler dot oh, no. com. <laughs> <laughs> we come to this show's only recurring segment. hmm This is a series of questions developed over Years of study of the world's greatest interviewers, uh, Terry Gross, Pete Holmes, (laughs) and the list stops there. This is the Young Persons Radio guest questionnaire. You are the only person who has seen these before being asked them. Really? Yeah.
1: It's because you sort of, (laughs) because I got very much, I got anxiety about the possibility (laughs) of you asking me about television shows that I watched because I don't watch a lot of tv but i started okay, watching yeah. tv but then i don't want to fe- i don't want to seem like i'm like a weird out of touch person. <laughs> i don't know i just got really anxious about about having to talk about television <laughs> oh sure i mean
0: honestly can't believe more people don't ask to see these because i <laughs> well, let them know there. they're coming i know yeah uh but you i mean you didn't you you i feel like you wrote something about twin peaks at some point right oh
1: i ranked all the characters
0: <laughs> yes right <laughs> which yeah. was very fun yeah
1: and I was, we were hoping that that would generate more controversy, but it didn't. Hmm. But I can't remember who I said was the best character.
0: It was Gordon Cole.
1: Oh, that's yeah. right. I stand by that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Did you watch the new? of course he would give
1: himself the best character. Well,
0: yeah. Yeah. That was It's his right. Yeah. Did you watch the new season? Of course. Yeah. What'd you think?
1: It was, I mean, it was great to like watch something every week and like have no idea what was going to, what it was, it, I. it was a great watching experience. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that I did not have to write about it. Yeah. Um, but that was the sort of like first time, time in a long time that I had been like, I'm anxious to watch the new episode that's coming out For this sure. week of, of anything, yeah um, which is sort of lost in the, like, let's drop it all at once so that you can binge, binge watch it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Culture. People have talked about this one a lot, but that eighth episode, uh, in particular with the, uh, the, that was like the mostly silent one with the. Uh, oh yeah, the zoom into the nuclear explosion and right. everything uh, was unbelievable. <laughs> it was so cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was cool. It was a little bit, not to sound like a pleb, but it was like a little bit arty for me. But, <laughs> um, but yeah,
0: I think it's just cool that it was on TV. Yeah, I mean, it's the kind of thing you like expect to get from his like his film work. Right. Uh, but it was just like a random hour on a Sunday night. Right. Of,
1: but it was truly a random hour. Yeah, that's.
0: I mean, for sure. <laughs> But yeah, I liked it. I feel like there was, it was a pretty uh, a divisive uh, uh, season. Uh, yeah,
1: I don't know. I really, I liked watching it. I guess this is like maybe a product of how I work, but I'm like, I couldn't tell you specifically about anything. So then I'm sort of like hesitant to like offer my opinion without being like, well, here's the evidence I have. for
0: Sure. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But yeah, I liked it. I think I liked the last episode. Mm, I, um, I did a lot. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Big fan. Big fan over here. But anyway, anyway, the questionnaire,
1: the questionnaire,
0: question number one, who is an actor or actress who every time they come on screen, you find yourself going, oh, neat.
1: But what does neat mean?
0: Like you're it's a pleasant surprise that you see them. That it's like there. It's like, you know, you go into the movie, you see the people on the poster. It's not one of them. Okay. You know, it's someone it's a pleasant surprise.
1: Like, oh, that person's in this movie. Yeah. Um. I should have prepared because I saw this question and I was like, oh, yeah, I'll be able to th- answer that. But now I like, cannot think of anyone um, at all. Should
0: I give you mine? Would that help yeah. prompt Judy Greer? Okay. Is mine. Why? Yeah. Because she's so funny. Uh, and I feel like she's not a big enough name or star to be like the lead uh, mm-hmm. in something. So when she, when she comes on, she's uh, an ancillary character. Mm -hmm. Uh, but she brings so much, uh, life to it that I'm always like, oh,
1: neat. (laughs) Oh, neat. She's in this movie. It's definitely, uh, it's definitely an experience that I know. Yes. Um, or you're always like, who is that? Oh, but we watched Annihilation last night Mm -hmm. and this was the opposite of this experience, which the, the psychiatrist or the psychologist in that movie, um, is Jennifer Jason Lee, I think. Okay. Is that right? I'll double check. And um, that was very surprising.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: But not in a good way.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It is Jennifer Jason. Yes. Yes.
1: Thank you for Googling that. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Uh, Yeah. Or like someone who's like, oh, that person's from that show. Yeah. That person's on the show. Or, I mean, this is because I don't watch any TV, but what's her name from the good place? Darcy.
0: Carden. Carden. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And she's in a lot of TV shows mm-hmm. as the sort of backup. She's in Barry, which I just really like.
0: Yeah, it's so good. I haven't watched any of the new season yet. Oh. But I love the first one.
1: It's There's a great episode in the middle that's just essential.
0: Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. Can't wait to get to it. Are you not? You're not a Game of Thrones? Uh, well, uh, I just started heard?
1: watching it this season because my, my boyfriend watched all of them. And I think this is partially because he's a very good narrator, very good explaining things uh, because he's a man. Um, (laughs) But but I just watched, I've just watched the what four episodes and Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm at like 80% comprehension, which is like how much more is anybody who's watched all of them at? I don't know. Not
0: that much. Um,
1: And I enjoy that. It's very suspenseful. Mm -hmm. Um, But also I'm, I'm seeing in the commentary that like, People are doing things for like weird reasons, and so I'm sort of. That's always my response yeah. to, you know, why is that person doing that? And it's like I don't know, they made a dumb choice. <laughs> <laughs> the, the right? They They should have had them do that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um. So.
0: That's so funny. Even someone who's like not uh, familiar with it is like picking up on these like <laughs> these yeah. bizarre motivations. I didn't
1: see the coffee cup though. Which is no, strange. it had
0: to be pointed out to me. Yeah. yeah. I kind of love that it. it was there yeah it's such a like an old like a careless mistake you know Mm -hmm. i love it it's true (laughs) uh well speaking of tv okay i'll be interested to hear your response to this next question which is say you're stricken ill
1: Uh perhaps with a cold Uh uh-huh
0: what show do you put on while you heal you're on the couch
1: well i was i was think trying to think about this and then i remember that i had food poisoning at the beginning of this year (gasps) And watched um, Sliding Doors, which is not a TV show, but a no. the movie with Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, um, which it's not a good movie, but I think there's this trend. I think in culture generally of sort of like going back to metafiction, mm. and I think this is a a great <laughs> a great movie to sort of jokingly talk about in that in that context. <laughs> um. Let's see. I watched that movie and then I watched some. Uh, is it? It's this movie about a young girl in England in like the 60s or 70s. And she's a very talented student, but then she wants to. Are she an older man who. Uh,
0: is, is it with Carrie Mulligan? Yes. It's an education. Yes. Yeah. I
1: watched that as well. Yes. But I had food poisoning, so it was a little bit, like, delirious. Yeah. But I think, generally, my recourse will be to, like, romantic comedies.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've watched uh, Something's Gotta Give, like, 20 times in Mm -hmm, my life. mm -hmm. You like that one?
1: Well, yeah, and I also really like The Holiday.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Nancy Myers. Yeah. Did you see The Intern? No. With Robert De Niro? Is it
1: worth seeing? (laughs) I think it's pretty good. Really? It's with Anne Hathaway as well, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. You think it's you know it's with that with that pair you think it's going to be kind of May December thing, but mm-hmm. it's uh, they're just friends the whole time. It's great.
1: They're just I love that. It's a new sort of. I feel like a, a classic plot is like, will they have sex? Mm-hmm. And it's I'm noticing there's a sort of like turn towards like they're actually not going to have sex, which is also in Russian Doll. They don't have sex, even right. though it seems like they're going to.
0: Yeah, yeah. Did you like that show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I interviewed. Oh, her. Oh, right. So. Yes, you you profiled her. So
1: yeah. I. I was glad that I liked the show yes. otherwise it would have been awkward. It would
0: have been. Um, yeah. Next question.
1: Next question.
0: What is an internet trend that drives you nuts? Well,
1: I guess like I was hoping that we would save the Twitter misandry thing. Oh,
0: true. Yeah, we've this. covered this already. But I
1: guess like using the internet at all, some this drives me nuts. <laughs> so, <laughs> and yet we're I, trapped. And yet we're here. I don't know. I'm trying to get figure out how to get away from it. Mm. but yeah I mean there's also a new internet trend every Every day day. Yeah.
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: that is annoying because most of the I also think that there are things that one does in one's life that are totally like neutral fine not annoying at all and then they get on the internet they they show up on the internet and then the internet warps them into this mm. like horrible like disgusting like repulsive get it away from me sort of experience i think astrology is one of those oh sure
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: um yeah. any you know pretty much or like even taking pictures of yourself like doing a there was this like selfie feminism conversation a few years ago it was like yeah i wouldn't even care about self portraits and except now you're making it out to be this like political statement that you're making because you're doing Facetune. and it's like <laughs> it's not That's not a radical political project that you have there. You're just taking a picture of yourself. But then it's annoying because then it sort of prevents a a person from like, you know, casually engaging in these like otherwise banal practices because they have all this like these associations. It's
0: charged with uh, something else. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. With the astrology thing, do you feel like, I sometimes feel like, Dudes talking about how uh I'm not even going to restrict it to dudes people talking about how astrology is like dumb and like if they're the only ones who like have realized that it's not real is like is it is it ve- like not so veiled misogyny because well, it feels like it sometimes I think
1: sometimes but then it's like <laughs> the way people like have dug in their heels about it it's like okay well actually that is quite stupid like, <laughs> about, and it's and you know I always was like a casual horoscope reader when I worked for vice, we did horoscopes. It was always Mm -hmm. very fun. I know what my, my, I have my chart. I know what the chart is. Um, but I would never like defend it for longer than like two minutes. Yeah. 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 And there are people that you meet now who are like, well, the moon controls the tides. So why do you think that the, the movements of the planets won't have any effect on life on earth? And you're like, Oh my god! Are you serious? Like, are <laughs> are you serious? And then people are serious. I mean, we're in Bushwick, so I shouldn't say this too loudly, but like,
0: <laughs> yeah, they'll hear you. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. Next question. You find yourself in a casino. Okay. You look down in your hand. What's that? Oh,
1: can we skip this question? Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't any, I don't know any. I don't know any games.
0: Okay. I Next also question. Hate games.
1: We can talk about oh, hating games. Oh, hate.
0: Uh, well, I definitely hate board games.
1: I don't. It's whenever I get forced to do them, it's always fine. But I have this dread. I mean, this is a persistent theme of this conversation where I'm like, oh, no, we're about to talk about this. It's fine. (laughs) But I just feel so competitive Uh in a board game. And I'm like, oh, no, this is going to be bad. And then if I lose, I'm like deeply ashamed. And I think that the person has has judged my character and also my intellect and, and actually no, because everybody likes to win so they're just happy that they've won right 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 and if, I, if the thing that you're losing is board games that's probably fine
0: I just hate getting the rules explained to me they make me feel so stupid oh all the well, time. it's
1: also it's always pointless because it's always like we'll just try one we'll just try right, a round. yeah <laughs> it's fake we'll explain it's as like we go. this is not a real round well none of it's a real round like it's all <laughs> you're just playing a game Anyway, yes.
0: Well, we got it. We'll, we'll, we'll I'm almost have sure sound of time. like a
1: fun person. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> to <hang out> with.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I'm with you on the board game <laughs> thing. That is, uh, that is a true, it's, it's, I, I dread it every time it even comes up. Anyway, karaoke. Are you pro? Uh,
1: no. I believe, no? That t- I believe that there are two types of people in the world that there are dancing people and that there are karaoke people, just oh. like there are cat and dog people. Interesting. And I'm a dancing person gotcha, for sure.
0: Gotcha.
1: Um, I have done karaoke a couple of times, obviously, as everyone has. And it was also, again, this thing where I dreaded it, dreaded it, and it was totally fine. But um, the only way you can get me to do it is if it's like, we're doing this right now.
0: <laughs> where you like happen to shots. be at a place and <laughs> yeah. it breaks out. They're yeah. Like, oh, well,
1: bye. <laughs> like, I would never plan to do that.
0: Sure. Final question before we go What is the dumbest thing that's made you cry?
1: Oh, but I cry all the time. This is like it was so hard to think about it because it's like basically nothing. Um, but is nothing making you cry dumb, or is that oh. the most the most the saddest the aspect of, of life? Yeah. Yeah, is that the dumbest thing, or is it the dumbest thing of all, or is it at the actually the most serious thing of all?
0: <laughs> you maybe have broken this question. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: don't know. I cry while writing articles all the time. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Can I tell you mine for yeah. this?
0: It was uh, once while walking in Brooklyn, uh, and it was the song "Born in the USA." Oh my
1: God, (laughs) what was sad about? What was moving? Well, you know, it
0: gets to that part where the guy is back from Vietnam, and there are no jobs for him, and then he goes to the he goes to the VA man, and the VA man says, uh, "Son, if it was up to me," uh," and then you know, it's like (laughs) I would help you, but I can't. And I was like, "Oh, he was abandoned by those he trusted." (laughs) It's That's so what true. got me in that moment. I, I but was something that,
1: happening in your life that was also cr- creating emotional t- turmoil? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like it's never just one thing.
0: No, definitely not. <laughs> it was just like the switch on the valve, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but we are unfortunately out of time.
1: I wish I had a sign off or slogan or something. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You don't have. You I'm don't sure have your freelance team out writers,
1: yet. Will, writers will soon start having sort of like taglines that they use. <laughs>
0: Um, it's like signing the bottom of the painting. Yeah, it's so, just yeah. a
1: branding exercise.
0: Yeah. But, uh, anything you want to, uh, uh, what, what's the next thing coming out for you that we can look out for? And, uh, people can find you on Twitter, right?
1: Mm, people can find me on Twitter. Um, I'm not going to talk about the thing that I have coming out. I think I'm okay. doing, I'm doing, uh, uh, what am I doing? Mm. I have three book reviews that I have to write okay. in, in the next three weeks. Uh, so more TK as they say. Yeah. Um, Oh, I'm writing about the Burger King commercial, oh, which is coming out, should come out pretty soon. So if you guys want to read a book critic's thoughts on this sort of Burger King, (laughs) happy meal rejoinder, I don't know if you know about that. If not, you can research it. We have our four running out of time. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Well, perfect. Well, thank you again for coming. It was a real pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, it
1: was great to talk to you too.
0: And everybody should stick around for Two Thumbs Undecided, which is starting in mere moments uh, and the rest of Radio Free Brooklyn's talk programming that is airing all day today. Many live, some pre-recorded. Either way, stick around. This is Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, I'm Colby Smith. My guest was Lauren Euler. Thanks again.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: And uh, we'll see everybody. Not next week. No show next week. But we'll be back uh, Memorial Day weekend. Uh, happy Mother's Day, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>